Before we get to episode 175, I'd like to take a moment to ask for your support of the Keystone Chapter of the National Federation of the Blind of Pennsylvania. Go to supportkeystonechapter.org. Scroll down, there's a text field there that has $50 in it. Now, you don't have to give $50 to make a difference. Any amount will do, so put in any amount you feel comfortable with and hit enter. You check out through PayPal, though you don't need a PayPal account, just pay by credit card or debit card. Again, supportkeystonechapter.org. Thank you so much for your support. I really do appreciate it. From Studio B in Swarthmore, this is the I Can't See You podcast with David. It's like blind people for dummies. Hello there, and welcome to episode 175 of the I Can't See You podcast. My name is David, at David Benj on all the socials, including Racket, where I got three likes on my first Racket, or whatever it's called when you post something there. So go check it out, and uh, I may post in the next day or two there, too, maybe to promote this podcast episode, which, of course, only has one thing to talk about. And, of course, it is the surgery that I had on Tuesday, the 12th. Now, it was this week. And everything went well. And I guess that's, I can end the podcast now. So you're up to date. (laughs) Just kidding. It was a little hairy going into it. And I'll tell you why. Towards the end of last week, in fact, on Thursday, I noticed an issue. With my limited vision, it was even more limited. And when I woke up on Friday, I kind of thought, you know, this kind of looks like when I had the retina issue that I needed the uh, retina reattached. And I was hoping that that wasn't it. And so things started running through my mind because I've been talking to so many folks lately for White Canes Connect. We were pushing to get episodes done and get episodes recorded that... I was hearing from people who have had that surgery recently or needed that surgery. And I don't know if that played into it, but I noticed this dark line. And so on Sunday, I thought, you know what? I've got to figure something out because I don't want to wait until Tuesday to have him take a look and then there'd be an issue and cause some more trouble with the cornea transplant. So on Sunday, I called my retina specialist office And I got the doctor on call, and he told me to make an appointment for the next day. So unfortunately, my doctor was not in that week, this week. He is, and and the office that is closest to us was not open. But there was somebody that could see me at Will's Eye Hospital, which was where I was having the transplant surgery the next day. Uh, So I went in on Monday, and I had someone take a look. And got the all clear. I had to go in on my own because Liz had to take Ziggy to a vet appointment that he needed for surgery he's having next month when he gets snipped. (laughs) Poor dog. So I took an Uber in and actually went in style in a a Tesla. And Liz picked me up. So it all worked out well, uh, other than the $30 Uber ride in. Everything was checked out. I was good. I breathed a sigh of relief when I got the all clear. I wasn't 100% on board with the way he checked because when I had the issue the last time, my local ophthalmologist that had checked me out, who I used to go to on occasion when I had an issue, really did a thorough job when he noticed the retina issue the last time back in 2017. This person that I had did a pass twice around with uh, a 
magnifying glass with a extremely uncomfortable bright light, took a look there, didn't really see anything, and then did an ultrasound right there, which was kind of cool. I think it was the first time I had an ultrasound done on my eye. But everything looked good, and he gave me the all clear. And I and I thought, okay, this guy's telling me it's okay. I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. I get the call late on Monday, what time I have to be there on Tuesday morning, and it was 7.30. I had to be there at Will's Eye Hospital in Center City, Philadelphia by 7.30. And so Liz and I left, and... We got there, no trouble. I'm wearing my I Can't See You podcast mask. I'm wearing an I Can't See You podcast t-shirt. Liz is wearing her I Can't See You podcast hoodie. <laughs> it was kind of funny, actually, and maybe a little overboard. Uh, it just worked out that I ha- I always wear that mask and the t-shirt I put on for the specific reason that I was going to have everybody take a look at me as they were going through and getting ready for surgery. Liz put the hoodie on because she thought I would like it, <laughs> which is true. I did. Uh, So we're in the waiting room, and a couple of things that were funny about waiting there, once we got there and we checked in, we had to then get called back up to sign some documents. Of course, the documents were not accessible. Obviously, if I wanted the surgery, I had to sign for them. I did. I signed a little, um, it's kind of like those credit card machines where you have just the signature pad. I signed that three or four times, I don't remember. And I, I said to Liz, who was there behind me watching me sign, I said, I'm not sure if I'm getting surgery or we just sold the house. I asked her after we stepped away from this lady who was checking me in and getting me to sign these forms, I said, how else would somebody read these if I wanted to read these? She had turned her computer screen towards me, Liz said, as if I was going to read them from the screen. Of course, that wasn't going to happen. So we went back, and we had lost our seats uh, at some point. So we were sitting in another another seat, and we were sitting there talking, and not really too much was going on. And then all of a sudden, Liz gets a text message, David's in pre-op. And I'm like, wow, it's just like Domino's when you go and you order the pizza and you're there. Or uh, and, and I know this because my mom used to love Domino's. Before she died, we would get it for her every so often. And it would tell you every step of the way uh, via text when you were in the in the restaurant. I don't know if when you order they do it that way, but we always went and picked it up because it was right across the street from where she lived. So I thought, okay, well, that's good. Then she'll know when I'll be done and so forth and so on. So she could have actually left if she wanted to, and I guess she didn't want to, and we would have had to pay for parking twice. So I guess <laughs> I guess it was better that she waited. And it really wasn't a long surgery. I, we got there right around 7.30, maybe a little before, and I think we were home by noon, uh, which to me seems pretty quick for, you know, getting somebody else's body parts. Um, as people were coming back, they would introduce themselves. Once I got called back, uh, Zoe was my nurse, and we were talking about different things, and I was telling her about the podcast, only because she asked. I didn't just start talking about it out of the blue. And then the anesthesiologist came over. Her name was Dr. Littman. And Zoe told her that I had a podcast. I didn't even have to say anything. (laughs) So we started talking about it. And then she says, I need you to sign something. And I said, okay. And she's holding these papers. 
And I said, if I wanted to read them, would you read them to me? She's like, well, you could read them. I said, no, I can't read them. I'm blind. And she said, oh, yeah, I could read it to you. Do you want me to read it? I said, no, no, no. I was just curious if they were accessible. Oh, yeah, they're always in your file. You can get them whenever you want. I said, but is that the only copy or, or online? And she said, well, they're accessible. I said, accessible means available so someone who was blind could read them. Obviously, if I had my phone, I could read them. She said, how could you read them with your phone? And I said, there are apps that would scan it and then read it to me. She had no idea, which I found hysterical. She's working in a hospital where there's a whole bunch of people that are coming in to get their eyes checked or operated on, and she has no idea of something like that. And I found that to be the case with a lot of doctors. They just don't know what's out there and what accessibility means and things like that. And I, I thought it was kind of funny. When we went over all the, all the meds she was going to give to me for the anesthesia, I said to her that I've always had issues in the past with it. And the last time I had it done, they had put something else in so I wouldn't get nauseous. And whatever she put in was great because I never got sick. I never even, <laughs> I never even felt queasy, uh, which was great. And, and I'm actually a little concerned at how smooth everything has gone during the surgery and since because it's just been perfect. And I'm worried that something is going to stop it from being that way. And so we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Everyone along the way who came to see me would ask me the same standard questions. Do you smoke? Uh, ever have a heart attack? Ever have a stroke? Ever have this? Ever have that? Ever do this? Ever do that? And finally, an anesthesia nurse came over. Her name was Alex. And she asked me those same questions. And she said, did you ever have a heart attack? And I started laughing. More so because it reminded me, when I was in high school, I was with my guidance counselor, Mr. Puzak, and we were going over my college application process and everything else. And he said to me, did you ever win any awards? And I said, I haven't won any yet. And he said, wow, that's great optimism. So... <laughs> So when the girl asked me, when Alex asked me when, why I was laughing, when I said, when she asked me about the heart attack, I said, and I told her the story. And so I said, not yet. And, <laughs> and she started laughing. And hopefully that never comes true, but you never know. And there's a funny twist to that story in a couple of minutes. So then Dr. Ayers comes over. He's the guy that did the surgery and goes over everything with me and what we're going to do. And we're talking about, again, it's a partial cornea transplant. I didn't get the entire cornea, just the inside soft tissue, not the hard outside portion. There was also a chance I was going to need to get a new lens, which is different from the cornea. The lens was put in, it's a, and it's, the lens is artificial. The lens was put in when I had a uh, cataract removed, I don't even remember what year anymore. It was sometime before the retina surgery, but after the cornea transplant. So sometime from 2008 to 2000, I, I want to say it was 2010, somewhere in there. When Dr. Ayers had examined me in the office, he, he thought that the lens looked a little wobbly. So just to make things easier, because you can't go to Home Depot to get a, a new lens in the middle of surgery, 
he ordered both, and hopefully we didn't need that because that would make the surgery go from 15 or 20 minutes to an hour and a half. He writes the, his initials above my eye, which I'm not sure if it's still there or not, to make sure they do the right eye, the correct eye, because it's the left eye. And he asked if I had any more questions, and I say no. And I have to tell you, I was so comfortable. Usually, the time that is the worst for me when I've had surgeries have been from the time they start to give me the meds, the eye drops and the anesthesia. And again, I wasn't completely knocked out till the time I actually get into the operating room. I don't know why. None of that this time. Everything, I got a warm blanket because it was cool back there. Everything was great. And we get into the the operating room and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what we're going to talk about this surgery. And I started to laugh because Dr. Ayers started talking about Kim's Convenience. And it's on Netflix and it's very funny. It's not very politically correct. So if, you, if you're sensitive, don't watch it. <laughs> but it is very funny about a uh, Korean shop owner in Toronto and, uh, and his family. And it's, it is very funny. And so we're talking about that as they're getting ready. And then sometime during the surgery, they're talking about that as well, as well as surgery-related things. Uh, and I couldn't tell, but the operating room seemed very big. And I never asked how big it was, but it just seemed like there were a lot of space to my right. I'm not sure if there was other places to operate in there over there. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't see. And... Uh, I just have no idea. Now, that's also where the music was coming from, was from over there. Now, I don't remember all the music that was played, but a lot of it was stuff I liked, which I also was kind of happy about. Uh, Fall Out Boy was on when they, when they started to do the, do the surgery. After I was done, they wheeled me back into the recovery area where I had probably the best hour of sleep <laughs> that I've had in a long time. And uh, then I was rudely awakened by another doctor from Dr. Ayer's practice. And she said, okay, you know, let's check out. Let's see what, let's see what we're looking at here. And everything looks good. You can go home. I said, oh, great. She said, just sit in that chair over there. And I said, over where? And she said, it's over here on your right. And she pointed to it. And I said, and I know she pointed to it because I heard her arm go up. Uh, I said, I can't see. I said, I'm blind. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Again, I don't, there's nothing on me that says I'm blind. Uh, Liz had my cane out front and I wasn't even going to bring the cane into the hospital, but I thought, you know, I have to go to the bathroom before I get called back. I need the cane. I don't want to feel around the bathroom for the door. So once I said that, she apologized and she tapped on the chair and then I went and I sat in it and she checked everything out. She said, it looked good. Now, all along during the whole surgery, I kept saying, before the surgery, I asked the doctor, I said, you know anything about the, the donor? He's like, no, but I'll find out. And then during the surgery, he said, no, I'll find out. <laughs> and then I asked someone after the surgery, they said, no, and I'll find out. And then I asked this doctor, and I don't remember her name, and she said, no, I'll find out. And she actually did find out. And then she came back to tell me a little bit later. The donor was a 61-year-old man so I went from an 82-year-old cornea. Now, I've owned it for the last 13 years, so the previous owner was 69 when she died. So I've owned it for the last 13-plus years, 13 and a half or so. 
and now I have a 61-year-old cornea. And he, they, and, and they never told me how the 69-year-old woman died when I got that cornea back in uh, 2008. But evidently, this guy died from a heart attack. So I, it also kind of made me chuckle because now can I say, have you ever had a heart attack? I mean, it wasn't my heart that had a heart attack, but I mean, that tissue now in my eye was part of that. And uh, and so now, now, now at least part of me has experienced that. So again, everything went so well. And after the doctor, this other doctor checked me out and said, okay, you're good to go. I'll get you some snacks and... Um, and you can go. And then the, one of the nurses came over and she said, okay, we have this, 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 and this. And, you know, what would you like to drink? And at this point I was freezing because I was under all those warm covers in the bed. And then when I was sitting there and the doctor was examining me, I, my head, my chin was in the thing and I had a, <laughs> I was shivering and she saw that I was shivering and I wasn't going to stay still while she was checking out my eye. So she put a, she put a blanket over my shoulders and one on my lap so I would warm up a little bit. And so when the nurse came over and asked what I wanted, I thought, man, if they had hot tea, I would take that. But they didn't. They had coffee, but I didn't want the coffee. So I just got water. And she ran through a bunch of different things to uh, to eat because, I again, I hadn't eaten since the night before. And it's around 11 o'clock at this point. And I ended up taking pretzels, uh, hard pretzels, a bag of them. And after I had told her that and she's bringing the pretzels over, somebody was walking through, another nurse was walking through and she said, we have pizza today, so if you've ordered it, it's in the wherever. And I said, oh, I'll change mine to pizza. And the nurse laughed. And of course, it wasn't for the patients. It was for the, <laughs> it was for the staff. So I didn't get pizza. So, and that was it. And another few minutes came by, went by and Liz came back and we talked and then Dr. Ayers came back over to go through things one more time, when to take the eye drops. And I've got to take this one drop, it's very thick. And another drop that I've been on since the last time I had a, the transplant back in 2008. And uh, he said everything looked good and I would see him the next day at the office for a post-op checkup. And we, we went home, I got dressed and we went home. And uh, Again, no issues checking out. Now, again, I didn't have my cane, so Liz is dragging me around because at this point, my eye is all covered up with a shield and a plastic shield and, and tape, so I just kept it closed. So I've just been keeping my eye closed for most of the time because it actually feels better when it's closed. When I open it and try to look through it, it is it feels like something's in it. And, and there is something in it, but it feels like something's on the outside in it. You know, like when you get a... Uh, an eyelash in there, or you get um, you get a piece of dirt or something in there. It feels like that. Now, in my eye itself, there is an air bubble, which it was very noticeable yesterday. And it, the doctor told me it would take a few days to dissipate, up to a week. And as that dissipated, my vision would get a little bit better. And I was a little surprised when he told me yesterday at the office that it would take up to four months to get back to at least where I was or a little bit better than where I was right before the transplant. Obviously, I'm not going to ever improve that much because I, I've lost all that vision due to glaucoma. The stuff that I've lost due to glaucoma, it doesn't come back because that's your optic nerve and that doesn't come back at this point. So once we got home, I went upstairs, I laid down for a little bit, again, because I was supposed to spend the 
the first day, basically either sitting in a chair, looking up at the ceiling, or laying in bed so the air bubble can stay pressed up against the cells so they start to adhere to my eye. When I went to the doctor yesterday, he said they were already starting to attach and everything looked good. And if I could spend yesterday doing the same, that would be great. And so I did most of the day yesterday, not as much as the first day, but most of the day yesterday, I was either in a chair where I had my head back, again, because I couldn't see much. It wasn't like when I was watching TV, I, I was going to rewind it to see what just happened, or I, I couldn't see enough to, to even do that. And because of the air bubble, when I did try to look through as I was walking around, everything was distorted. So I would walk where I thought was clear and it wasn't and things like that. <laughs> so I wanted to make lunch yesterday for myself. And I felt pretty confident. Had a little bit of sight. Again, a very little bit of sight. And at lunchtime, I usually have an omelet, two eggs. And before I make my omelet, I make an egg for Ziggy. So one of my biggest fears when I cook lunch, especially when nobody's home. Now, Liz is off on spring break this week, so she was home and was able to help if I needed it, which, of course, I did, and I'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) So I usually crack my two eggs into a measuring cup just because it's easier to pour once I put all the other ingredients in and then whisk it up. And then I take the third egg and I crack it right on the frying pan and then open it for for Ziggy and cook it like that. My biggest fear is either cracking the egg on the side of the pan, which I don't do. I crack it right on the flat bottom of the pan and missing and having it go into the stove, into the oven, uh, you know, into the stovetop. Or worse, when I'm pouring the omelet mixture into the pan that I miss because that would just make such a mess and smell so bad. Well, I didn't do that yesterday. Now, Liz watched me as I did that. And when she she went back into the living room and I continued to cook and I don't remember why she came in, but she came in, I asked her a question, so she came in. I don't remember if I had a question about does it look done or or whatever. But when she came in, I usually put the eggs on a paper towel next to the stove because if I don't, they'll roll right off the granite onto the, onto the floor because that's happened. And Ziggy didn't mind the raw egg, by the way. He didn't eat it right away because he thought he shouldn't, but I told him it was okay to give it a try, and he did, and he loved it. Then, of course, I didn't make him a cooked egg, so I wonder if he regretted that. <laughs> that, was, that was a few months back. And Liz said, there's something on fire. I said, what do you mean? I don't see anything on fire. And again, I didn't see much of anything, so <laughs> of course I didn't. And if, of course, the first thing that popped into my head was talking heads burning down the house. And I'm sorry if I've just put that song into your head. So Liz took care of the paper towel, which she said about two thirds or three quarters of it went up in smoke. And she then, and she was kind of in a rush because Ziggy had to go back to the vet. He had some sort of levels that were high in his blood when they did the blood draw the other day. So they wanted to do some other check to make sure it wasn't cancer. And it turns out it wasn't, whatever it was, and I, I don't remember. I, want, I don't want to misspeak, but I, I kind of think it was either sodium levels were high, and the doctor basically said, if we give him a lot of broccoli, which we do and he loves, to kind of ease off that. And so we're not sure if it's the broccoli or carrots, because he also gets 
a lot of carrots. When he goes out and goes to the bathroom, he comes back in, we give him a carrot. And it's a baby carrot. It's maybe a, an inch and a half long. Uh, but he goes out, I don't know, 10 times a day maybe. So he gets that many, maybe more, because sometimes when I'm eating a snack and he can't eat that snack, I'll give him a carrot. So we're not sure it's the broccoli or the carrots, uh, but we started to cut back on the broccoli yesterday. <laughs> so so feel, feel sorry for him because he can't get as much broccoli as he usually does. And it, the broccoli's fun for both of us because I, I usually get, it's usually a handful, and Liz has cut it up and I toss it to him and he loves catching it. He goes to his right, he goes to his left, and he's very good at it. Uh, better going to his right than going to his left in case you're looking where to hit one in the outfield and he's out there. So other than almost burning down the house and running my leg into the couch a few times, there hasn't been any major issues walking around the house, getting through things. And again, most of the times I had the issue was not when my eye was closed, but was when my eye was open and I thought I could see where I had to go. But that bubble was really messing with me. And even in the kitchen, for example, our floor is a darker wood and, and I say darker wood, it looks like wood, it's plastic, it's a laminate on top of who knows what. <laughs> it's wood planks, but it's not really hard wood. It looks like hard wood, but it's not. We didn't put it in, it was came that way when we bought it. It's nice enough looking and it's fine. But our countertop is also dark, so I was running into the counter a lot. Again, when my eyes were open, when my eyes were closed, I was careful. I had my hand out, feeling my way along, and I was good. It was when I opened my eyes. Now today it's a little bit better and the bubble is not as big, and it's not as jiggly. And that was the other thing. I was walking up the stairs yesterday, and it was just, <laughs> the bubble was like flopping around inside my eye. And when I got to the top of the stairs at one point, I started to go what I thought was the correct way, but not the correct way because of the bubble. So other than those issues, there really hasn't been an issue, and that's, that's why I'm a little worried about what may come because everything has been so good so far. So healing is continuing and I'm pretty happy with it and hopefully my sight continues to come back. And another thing the doctor told me yesterday, after next Wednesday, most of the restrictions, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with any kind of restrictions. Uh, he told me that I was probably good yesterday. I'd asked him, <laughs> I realized this on uh, Tuesday afternoon after I was home and I was sitting in the chair near the TV and I started to drink my iced tea. My iced tea, when this cup is full and has about 32 ounces of tea, it has another almost two pounds of ice, almost two pounds, not quite two pounds of ice, and then the cup itself. So it weighs around four and a half pounds or so when it's full. So I was lifting that and I thought, oh, I'm, I was told not to lift anything heavy. I wonder if this qualifies. So I asked him when I was at my appointment yesterday, when you say heavy, don't lift anything heavy, what's the weight limit? And he said 20, 25 pounds. I said, oh, I'm good. And, and he asked what I was lifting. I said, my iced teacup. And then I had to explain the whole thing about the iced teacup and how big it is and everything else. So I then also asked him, one of the other restrictions was, it said I was told not to bend over. So when I get in bed each night, I take my socks off and they were on the floor somewhere. Not that I could find them because I couldn't see them, but I would have gotten down there. I would have bent over and started feeling for them like I usually do uh, when I can't see something and I know they're down there. 
And he said, no, you're okay with that too. But just in case, just relax for the next week until you see me next Wednesday. So I go back on Wednesday, the 20th, and hopefully I'll get the all clear then and hopefully everything continues to heal. Again, the only issue that I've had lately um, is it feels like something's in my eye. Now, from the time we got home from the surgery until about dinner time, I was having these almost like waves of I was told it wasn't pain, but it sure felt like pain to me. It woke me up. I was laying, I was laying down and these, you know, I had this, this pain in my eye and it would come for a second or two and then stop and then start and then stop and then start and then stop. And then after a while, it just went away. I guess I had fallen asleep for a long enough time after that, one of the last batches. And then when Liz woke me up for dinner, it was good. I I didn't have that anymore. But again, it I do feel like I have something in my eye and hopefully that will go away because it is very annoying and it makes me want to touch my eye, which of course I don't really want to do. I've been wearing sunglasses around the house because I'm supposed to keep something over it and the sunglasses are better than the shield because the shield has tape over it. So any kind of vision that I do have is even more distorted between the plastic shield and the tape over it. Sunglasses, at least everything is just darker. And uh, I was able to shower today. I did not shower yesterday. And of course, that didn't really bother me as much <laughs> as it probably bothered everybody else around me because I hadn't showered. But I, the, only sh- the only thing today, I washed my body. I, I can't get it wet. I can't get my eye wet. Like a gremlin, you can't get it wet at any time, not just after midnight. But tomorrow, I can shower and it, it's okay if it gets wet. I have to wait 72 hours to get it wet. So I'll wash, I don't want to say I'll wash my hair because my hair is about two millimeters long because I had Liz shave it all off this weekend because it would just be easier to to care for. So I only need a little bit of shampoo and then I, I just can't wait to wash my face because I haven't been able to wash my face either. Same thing. I don't want to get water in it or soap or whatever else I use to wash my face. And I just can't wait to wash my face because it feels so gross. So even the shower the, I, that I took today made me feel better and I had the heat on, you know, the water warm so I wasn't as stiff, but it still wasn't the same because I didn't wash my head. Anything above my neck didn't get clean. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, hopefully next week's show will be back to a fairly normal where I have a couple of different things going on. And I know Frank had called in and left a great tip about Bookshare, which I'll play. I was hoping to do this week and I I just can't see enough to drag it and edit it and do all that. So... I'm not going to play it this week, Frank, next week. And I do appreciate everybody who's called and checked in. Frank was one of them. Alex and Stephanie, thank you so much for that basket. That was very kind and greatly appreciated. And I had an orange actually right before I came down here to uh, to record. Uh, if you've ever seen those baskets where they do fruit that look like flowers, that's what they sent. Uh, they're called different things in different places. The one that was started around here, and I think is nationwide, Incredibly Edible Delights, uh, I believe is the one that they had sent. And that was the other thing. You know, so Liz and Ziggy go to do something yesterday, and I'm laying down upstairs, and the doorbell rings. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I don't want to rush downstairs to get the door, but I couldn't get my app to work because we have a Nest doorbell cam, and I could have just easily talked to the guy. And, but I couldn't get it to work. I don't know if it's because of my sunglasses on, whatever. And I didn't want to run down the stairs because I was afraid I'd fall. So I, you know, I got to the top of the stairs. I yelled that I was heading down, hang on one second. And he rang the bell again. And I got to the door and it was the delivery for this, for this, uh, basket. And 
when I got the basket, I wasn't sure what it was. So I thought, you know, let me open it. It feels like flowers. And I can't read. I'm sure the outside of the package had whatever it was called. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I, I st- stumble over to the counter with it after I uh, after the guy takes a picture of it. And I'm like, okay, it, I open it up. I, there's scissors there. I can't tell who it's from. So I figured, okay, what am I going to do first? Let me put it in the fridge. And it doesn't fit because it's too tall. And the top shelf in our fridge that has the most space still wouldn't fit. So I thought, okay, I've got to break it down. So I thought, before I do that, let me see who it's from and take a picture of it. <laughs> so I took a picture of it and I sent it to Liz. Well, where Liz was, uh, she left her phone in the car and she was out playing with the dog outside. And so she didn't get my text. So then I texted Jane. I said, is this a decent picture? And she's like, yeah, but maybe get the card part of it. So I turned the uh, the vase that had the stuff in it and I turned it and I took another one and sent it to Jane and Jane said, good. So I started breaking it down. And of course, when you're breaking something like that down, you know, one goes in the bag, one goes in your mouth and I'm eating the different fruit. There were uh, pineapple and honeydew and cantaloupe and strawberries and these oranges and the oranges were so awesome. Uh, and like I said, I ate one right before I recorded, but one of the things that I wasn't sure what it was, it looked like, I I don't know what it looked like to me. It was a circle and it didn't sound like it was plastic and it didn't sound like it was metal and it certainly wasn't cardboard. I'm like, what do I, is this something I eat? I knew it wasn't fruit. So I'm tapping it on the counter. I'm like, I think you can eat this. So I just take a little nibble at the side and I'm like, oh, okay, it's chocolate. But then the face of it had a a label on it. I don't know what the label said. It might have said incredible edibles, uh, whatever. It said something. I threw that out. So I don't know what it was. And I ate the, <laughs> and I ate the chocolate. So uh, I ate that and I bagged it all. I, again, along the way, ate some, bagged some, ate some, bagged some, put it away. And so uh, thank you, Alex. Thank you, Stephanie, for that. I know Alex does listen on occasion. He and his family are on a road trip to look at colleges, which was always my favorite thing to do once the kids were getting ready to look. And uh, I always enjoyed that. So I hope he enjoys that. And uh, thank you all. Dan, thanks for checking in. And again, Frank, thank you for checking in. Everybody else who checked in, I do appreciate that. And uh, like I said, things are, I'm a a little worried because things are going pretty well. (laughs) Lisa, thank you. Uh, Stacy, thank you. Uh, Harriet, thank you. Harriet doesn't listen, so she won't hear that. Uh, but I do appreciate it, everybody that's checked in. And I think I'm going to call it at that point for this episode. And I really do appreciate you listening. I, I appreciate everything that you've done along the way. And uh, go check out the other podcast, White Canes Connect. And we're, we just dropped episode 29 this week. It's with a guy named Brian Mackey, who is the treasurer of the NFBFPA. Now, don't, don't think that's going to be what we talk about, because we talk a little teeny tiny bit about that. What we talk about is blind golf. And as I said to Brian during the episode, if I hit a ball and I can then go find it, I consider that a win, like George Carlin used to say, and call it a day there. (laughs) But it actually is a thing. And surprisingly, the rules are almost identical to sighted golf. Uh, There is one minor difference when it comes to playing it out of the sand, but otherwise the rules are the same. And of course, there are sighted players alongside of the the blind players. So check it out again. It's White Canes Connect. It's episode 29. 
one of the things that I wanted to have done by the time I had the surgery was that website. I am not done, so I consider that a fail. Uh, also working on a couple other websites for that Real Blind Tech show and one of my own. And hopefully I'll get, get back into getting them done uh, over the next week or so. But again, I do appreciate you listening to episode 175 of the I Can't See You podcast. Remember, show notes are at icantseeyou.com slash 175. I Can't See You sounds like a whole sentence, but it is only seven characters long. I-C-A-N-T-C-U.com slash 175. You can always reach out via email, podcast at gmail.com, podcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can always reach out via phone, 646-926-6350. You've got up to three minutes to leave your question, comment, whatever you got. Give it a call, like Frank has done, and I hope to have his on next week. And again, Frank, I do appreciate you calling in. Please do leave your name in town. If you do leave a message, I'd appreciate that. And uh, I hope everybody's staying safe. You're well. You have a happy Easter or Passover. And I will talk to you next week. Thanks again. Take care. Thank you for listening to the I Can't See You podcast with David. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends.